You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Oh no! We suck again! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, through thick and thin, is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, another lost weekend for me. What I saw Saturday night down in Gainesville with my Gators, I saw Sunday morning with my Giants. I I see two teams that, you know, just because you have a new coaching staff does not mean that the warts of the old staff and the old roster haven't gone away and the problems have not gone away. They're rebuilding projects, and we've taken the first step in that rebuilding project by identifying that this is not a short-term fix. And we've we've kind of said that time and time again on this show, which, by the way, you can find on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just Giants. Leave us a nice five-star review. And always follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump and at the cranky band. Hey, correct. Correct. There are ways in the NFL to turn things around really quickly, and I think we've taken some measures in that direction. Uh, you know, it also depends on just how bad you were the year before and how much of that disease is spread out and how much of it is stuck on one spot. Uh, you know, the whole offensive line was remade, and, you know, that's too daunting to do in one year. Yeah, you you can't do it. You can't. You can ne- you don't have the the cap space, you know. Usually a team like that you can't afford, you know, all your draft picks to 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 take from it. And you know, the bottom line is some moves we had to rearrange some deck tears on the Titanic. And it's very obvious we're gonna talk about the lead deck tear very shortly. But you know, those southern, you know, three and thirteen the playoff teams are very, very few and very far in between. They do happen, but you're right, it's a Extraordinary set of circumstances that the Giants, unfortunately, do not fall under. They also happen less often than people think. I I think a lot of people look at the Rams, and they're like, oh, what a turnaround last year was. Well, yeah, but they didn't draft Jared Goff last year. He sat for a year. Mm -hmm. Let's also not get ahead of our skis. It really, you know, the theme of today and all over Twitter and all over everything, it's overreaction Monday. We're not going to go – we're not going to all of a sudden – you know, state the claim that this is a complete rebuild project. We're going to be two and fourteen this year. We're just, you know, based on what you saw and the problems you saw yesterday, there are a lot of the problems you saw last year. And just, just because you have a new coaching staff and a new GM, they don't sprinkle fairy dust on everything, and all of those problems have gone away. And you know, we we can't make any blame to a coaching staff or any individual guy like an Eli Manning for what happened. It's going to take time yeah so let's that, that's kind of where i was i was headed with that but then realized i was getting ahead of myself so just a quick recap of the game this game ended 20 to 15 um at no point in the game did the giants hold the lead but they were they were tied several times it was it was pretty close for a while um and and truth be told was pretty much up until the last minute of the game there was a shot there um yeah. again yeah. Like you said, a lot of the a lot of the issues for this game came to the offensive line. Um, I, defensively, I think they played pretty well, but not fantastic. It was a lot of what we saw last year. Uh, a little bit of a struggle to get to the quarterback, but 
I'm going to enter this moment of everybody calm down. Um, oh, absolutely. I, I'm not going to try and dampen these obvious flaws, which, again, are a lot of what we saw last year. Okay, it, it's, it's true, and I'm not going to try and hide it. By the same token, we knew you and I called this game a loss way back in the spring. We called it a loss again, a one-score loss right before the game the weekend before. And that's pretty much what we saw. So this was not a huge, you know, surprise. Um, and one of the reasons, I, I mean, all the reasons we saw this coming the way it did is this is a top three defense that they're playing. Their strength is directly into the Giants' weakness. Directly. Yeah, and let's be very honest. That offensive line did not play as bad as I thought it was going to play. Yeah. I mean, Eli Manning did not get hit that that often. I mean, how many times was he sacked? Twice? Three times? Twice. He did get knocked around a little bit, though. I, I think maybe uh -huh. he might have a total of six quarterback hits in that game. A, 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 yeah, but I, I never felt like, oh, my God, Eli is going to get killed out there today. Correct. I mean, even Eric Flowers, which, you know, gets you in a second, you know, wasn't as atrociously bad as having, you know, the two penalties in the very beginning all of a sudden kind of stereotyped them for the rest of the game. It, it, we've seen worse performances from this offensive line last year. I thought it could have been worse, like especially against a team with the talent that we saw against Jacksonville. And as we go through this and you think about the game, you know, what you take some of the emotion away from leaving the game, remember who we played. And uh, I think that will go a little bit more into clarifying what we are and where we're going. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I expected to be as as good as we were with the running game and a little bit worse in the passing game. As we go through this, uh, the, the two key injury, the only two injuries that I know of that happened in-game, uh, Wayne Gallman went down almost as quickly as he went in uh, with a knee injury. He was questionable to return and did not return, as far as I know. I don't remember seeing him after the one series he was in. And Leonard Fournette went out... Uh, with I think maybe like four or five minutes left in the second quarter and never came back, uh, which right. at that point I think the running game was pretty much shut down for Jacksonville with the exception of one big gain by Blake Bortles. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I, I really think defensively I think we did a pretty good job. I mean, Blake Bortles is never going to kill you through the air. They didn't go to the AFC Championship last year because of their, you know, explosive offense. And we didn't see that explosive offense yesterday. I, I, I think for, you know, people also have to remember, and I said the exact same thing on my Gator, my, my Gator podcast. When you switch from a 4-3 th to a 3-4, there's going to be a transition period. People are playing in different places. There are different gaps to fill. There's going to be a period of adjustment. Um. I think they, for a first time out, for a 60-minute run with you know pretty much your starters, I think it went better than I expected from that standpoint. And just keep that in mind as we get into week two, four, five, and seven, and as we move along, that there is this adjustment period that's going to have to be accounted for. Yeah, and one of the things that I, I saw in, in what you're talking about, I'll, I'll talk a more, little more offensively than defensively, uh, but... You know, the, the, some of the field goals that the Giants had were in such close range in the red zone, and, you know, the, the missing the touchdown was by so little, it looked like a uh, one preseason game away from being routine. 
You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it looked like if oh, if only Barkley had had more experience in preseason, that mistake wouldn't have been made. Or, you know, Beckham makes that catch 10 out of 10. Eli throws a better ball 10 out of 10 if they just had a little bit more reps. This was a very much a week one game. Whereas, I, I mean, I think when the Jaguars were in the red zone and they were forced to kick field goals, I don't know if they kicked any from the red zone, but they very much looked like the play just didn't work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so to me, it was encouraging. I, I understand 15 points and seven of which were on a long run. Uh, it looked better than I expected. Uh, it, it ended the same, but I thought that we were going to score only on the big gain thing. Uh, and we weren't really going to sniff the red zone very much. That's what mm-hmm. I was expecting. And in fact, I would, I think I was expecting, you know, scoring maybe on offense only if there was a turnover deep in the end. So to me, what I saw on the field, while the results obviously were not what I wanted, but everything else looked like an improvement from last year. I don't remember seeing much marching up and down the field last year. Very, very rarely. I mean, just compare the quality of the game to that Thursday night game with Atlanta and Philly. You know, you didn't see, I mean, you saw more penalties on the, on the Jacksonville side, actually you saw from us. Yeah. You saw like just a cleaner game. And I think as this is a rebuild and this is not a, this get this all turned around in one game situation, you want to see things like that. And I think that was encouraging to see that it was not just a complete mess. You didn't see, you know, I don't believe there was any delayed game penalties. Uh, there was a false start, I believe, but mm-hmm. nothing, nothing that really stuck out as like, this is an unorganized mess. Yeah. Your standard which, holdings. Yeah. That happens. That, it's called the, playing football. There was one that looked like an unorganized mess and it was a, ended up being called as an OPI. It looked like accidental to me, but Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram were in the same spot in the field, deep down the field, like 25 yards downfield. Yeah. Somebody fucked up a route there, and I, I think it might have been Shepard. You know, the the ball was thrown downfield, Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram, nobody really knew what the hell was going on, and I think Shepard took out a guy just trying to get out of the way. Um, but that that was the one thing that looked like um, not prepared kind of mistake. Yeah, I mean, again, we are talking week one. Yeah. I don't expect to see things like that happening going forward, too. Um. So enough mollycoddling, you know, um, let's let's get right into it. I'm throwing your farts. Well, I mean, let's get right to the elephant in the room. Let's talk about Eric Flowers for a minute. Um, I, I want to talk more about the reaction to Eric Flowers, really, okay. than what he actually did. I mean, he, basic, he basically is what he is. We, we know he's a below-average starting tackle in this league. However, as we heard from people on the train leaving the stadium, we've heard on on the fan this morning, we've seen on Twitter, the phrase, cut him and let's give the next guy a chance to see what he can do, is not happening. It's called Skylar Mooringwig syndrome, people. I've seen what happens when you bring in the next guy. The next guy is not the same as the first guy. The first guy is better than the second guy, and a lot of times significantly better than the second guy. Um, we've spent two podcasts discussing you know, the Davis-Webb cutting and everything and trying to analyze 
what the mindset is of this giant organization. And we came to the conclusion in that they are in the opinion that Eli Manning is going to be their quarterback for the next couple of years. Having said that, there is no way in hell they are going to go to a second string right tackle who currently is an undraft was an undrafted free agent and they're going to have that guy protect the franchise right now. It is not happening. Eric Flowers is not a good tackle. He makes mistakes. He doesn't have the right footwork. He, you know, tripping and holding are results of bad technique and getting burnt. But he, like it or not, people, is the best option we have. We're not cutting him. He's playing this year. It's going to be job one for this organization to see what they're going to do to address the right tackle situation. But save your breath. They are not cutting Eric Flowers. They're not benching him for the next guy because, quote unquote, it can't get any worse. Trust me, it can get a lot worse. Yeah, I couldn't have said that any better myself. It it can get worse. And, and quite frankly, last year it was worth with, worse with Bobby Hart. Um, you know, I'm more concerned about Patrick Omame, uh, who did not play a good game either. The difference between Eric Flowers and Patrick Omame is Eric Flowers is on this roster because you can only change so much in one offseason. He's on the last year of his rookie deal. Um, if he were not the best option that we have on the roster and in the free agent market, he would be gone. There is no reason to keep him. This organization didn't draft him. They didn't like him. I'm sure they didn't like him coming out of the draft. I, I was floored that we had even drafted him. But he is here because he's the best that we've got. And you don't have to believe it, but it is what it is. Patrick Omame, on the other hand, was this organization's free agent acquisition. We spent money on him. And I, I could be incorrect, but I'm pretty sure he's on a three-year deal. That's a problem to me. Um, Eric yeah. Flowers... You know, what I saw out there was maybe just a tad worse than what I was hoping from him this year. But against this defense, looked to be about what I would have expected. Maybe a little better, honestly. Agreed. Agreed. I think those two penalties that happened so fast, again, you you know, you get in your mind something, you know, it's, uh, you know, first impression syndrome too. And... Having those two penalties right off the bat, you know, and a tripping one. Tripping one is more egregious. It just seems like, you know, you're just not in position and you're just trying to save your ass. You're going to have that thought the rest of the game. You're going to think it's the worst thing ever for the final 55 minutes. And, you know, I haven't seen the final grades of how these guys graded out. But, you know, and also another thing about Flowers, you know, apparently he did not stick around for the postgame press conferences and hung his teammates out to dry that answer for him too. Yeah. I mean, that just proves another thing that he hasn't matured in four years. You know, he's just a typical punk from the U and if you saw him, you know, in the way we're thinking Odell Beckham is matured a bit, we had not seen that from flowers and that's just another indication. There's no reason that this team will do what they can for him. You know, I, I just think it's one of those things where you're just going to play him out the string this year, and as soon as that season's over and he cleans out his locker, he'll be gone. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses. I, I know this was a tough test for them, but this was an unacceptable performance from Eric Flowers. He gets a fart from me. I, But the the reaction needs to dial back just a little bit. Um, yeah, th- this, fan ga- this fan base actually gets my second fart <laughs> because I- I'm serious. Okay. I I do not think this fan base understands the hole that this team is in. I think this fan base still thinks that we are the team that won the Super Bowl back in 2012 and just needs a couple of tweaks here and there. Here's the reality, gang. There's been one playoff game since that Super Bowl. We are three coaches or two coaches from that Super Bowl. This ta- this roster, while it's dotted with you know, superstar talent and superstar names, is very deficient in the key positions that makes you successful. Offensive line, you know, linebacker. It's very thin in a lot of places. So, again, you can't throw pixie dust on a problem because you have a new coach and think, oh, problem solved. You're delusional. If you're delusional just to think, well, we just had bad coaches last year, it will be corrected. No. You can see the deficiencies on the offensive line. You see the deficiencies in the secondary. It's going to take a while to build. And this, I don't know what kind of delusions people were. They think they're going to the playoffs this year or all of a sudden going to be 9 and, and, and 7 or 10 and 6. It's just not going to happen right now. It'll be, if it does, it's shocking. It'd be fantastic. But it's, it's, it's just not right now. So I, I just, you know, the vitriol we've heard from the fan base definitely deserves a fart, in my opinion, because either you don't know what you're watching, you don't understand the problem, we don't have just realistic expectations. I'll take I'll take that answer as a the post game fan base. What I will say though, um, and you and I have talked about the difference between the one o'clock crowd, the eight o'clock crowd. I was impressed with the one o'clock crowd at the game. Um, yes. it was a lot louder than I'm used to there. And maybe I'm just looking at it with, you know, goggles from last year. But it's been a while since I've heard it that loud in there. Um. Well, there were some things that definitely made the crowd very excited. Yeah. Um, Beckham back on the field for the first time, the crowd was very excited to see. Um, the first run that Barkley had, he had like a nine-yard run or something. I don't know if it was the first one, but oh, you mean the first big the game? First, the first run of any significance. Yeah, it was, it was a 10-yard game. The, yeah. the, the crowd was very excited about that. Uh, Beckham... I think he had a reception right after that. And the crowd, you can feel that kind of buzz like this is going to be the future of this team. I mean, this team is going to be a big play, excitement, sports center, top 10 team with those two guys. You're going to see it. You know, Beckham's going to make an amazing play. Uh, Barkley's going to have an amazing run. And then when he had that, you know, the long run, oh, hell broke loose in that stadium. I mean, it's going to be something where, you know, the wins are going to come at some point, but, you know, even as tonight we're recording this late Monday night and the Jets blew out Detroit, it's going to be a different, like, it's a wow factor with the Giants as opposed to the Jets. Because the Jets might, you know, they might surprise some people. They might actually do some things maybe even better than the, the Giants do this year. But this city's always about stars and stars performing at their top peak performances. 
and we got two guys that are going to make this fan base go nuts, even the one o'clock crowd. You know, the ones that are, you know, a little older, they're going to, the ones are going to beat the traffic. The ones that are more, you know, they've been through the wars and they, they're the pre Bill Parcells crowd. They're the ones who suffered through a lot of different things. So seeing this young blood and the potential what they can do is definitely going to be a boost to this fan base and to these crowds. And you, you just hit on two of my stars for the game. Beckham went for 11 catches for 111 yards, but his impact was felt much more than that. I mean, if you were to factor, if if he wasn't penalized against for the uh, defensive pass interference on him two or three times, he'd have a touchdown and another 40 yards added to his stats. Uh, so, you know, you don't have to defer to the game tape to see just how much of an impact he had on the game. Um, and, and Barkley, uh, as advertised, you know, as much as a running back can do it on his own, he did it on his own. I mean, this was not going to be a game for him to have over 100 yards based on the defense and the offensive line in front of him, and yet he managed to have over 100 yards. Yeah. So my, my first my first start with Barkley was going back to watching Barry Sanders. Two yards, one yard, minus two, two, one, 77, yeah. three, four. I mean, that's for right now, for A, his style of running, how it seems like he likes to bounce a lot and everything, and what this offensive line is, you're going to see games like this where it might be, you know, ho-hum, ho-hum, holy shit, <laughs> ho-hum, ho-hum. No, I mean, I think that's a realistic expectation for the beginning of his career. Yes. You know, I, I think once you see things like, you know, the offensive line getting better, and it might even go into the next quarterback as well, yeah. you know. But you're going to see a lot of things from this guy that every week you're going to be like, holy crap. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that's what is destined for Barkley based on, A, his running style, and B, you know, the severity of how bad this offensive line is. Again, you know, that may not be week to week. That This was a bad matchup. Um, and yet, on his own, he was able to break 100 yards in his first game, get his first touchdown. I mean, that's impressive to me. Uh, you know, that's not going to be my bar for a star, but in this game, in this scenario, that that's the bar, and he passed it. I think it's very important, too, that he had that long run because, you know, we, again, we debated for two weeks about, you know, the decision to not draft a franchise quarterback and go with Barkley. Yeah. Uh, we watched tonight uh, the Jets with Darnold blow out the Lions, and he looked pretty damn good for a rookie. Uh, we watched on Hard Knocks. <laughs> Baker Mayfield look, you know, as good as you as good as you can for a polished TV show like that. But my point being is, I think Giant fans needed a little self assurance and a reminder. Hey, they didn't waste the second pick on Kyle Brady, shitty tight end, where Jet fans have been booing for the last twenty years. They got a real talent, and you saw a glimpse of what that real talent is. So, the decision hopefully won't be, and we look back on this in time and say. You know, we didn't waste the draft pick. It may not have produced the quarterback we need, but we still have a, you know, one of the best running backs in the league, and which is very important. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And I think also he's the kind of guy who's going to be a lightning rod. Um, I'm, I'm going to flip to another fart, and uh, we may not know his name by, like, week four. Uh, but Kalen Clay, fumbling, muffing a punt on the very end of the game there, 
where the Giants still was not outlandish to say that they had a shot um, is just unacceptable. I mean, you're brought in here for one job. You can't screw up that one job in that moment. You know something? Um, my next fart was actually going to be for Dave Gettleman for not addressing this position until cutdown yeah. day and just picking a guy off the scrap heap. Um, so I really can't blame him necessarily. Uh, I blame us to be in a position where we really had no punt returner available and then we just had to grab who we can grab. Um, but what I would have personally done and I said this to uh, Grump at the game, and we maybe have discussed a little bit, like I think maybe in our special teams preview, mm-hmm. you have a weapon like Odell Beckham Jr. Not saying it's to be out there for every punt return in the game, but in a situation where you need a big play, that's where I have him returning a punt. I mean, that's one of those key moments where, you know, am I trusting a guy I just got off the scrap heap or am I trusting one of the five most electric players in the league to potentially create something out of nothing? We're playing to win the game. This is the point where you win the game. And I would have liked to have seen him out there returning that punt over some guy I never heard of and never will hear again. So I mean, there's even something else that we saw once in the, oh, I think it was Ben McAdoo era. I'm not sure if it was Ben McAdoo or Tom Coughlin, but we saw once where Dwayne Harris and Odell Beckham were back deep, splitting the field left and right. And Dwayne Harris took the punt, but Beckham pretended to be catching it. All it really did was take two or three guys away, but it was enough. You know, things like that can can change everything. I mean, one missed tackle, one really good block on a punt return is everything. And you give a guy like Beckham that little... Yeah, or even if he's the distraction to let the other guy do it. It doesn't matter. It, you, you do something. And and I, I, I understand. I understand. This this was – we're not the only ones talking about this. I, I've seen it on Twitter, and Pat Shermer was asked about it, um, and he was saying that he was going for the punt block in that scenario. I guess that's a fair answer. I just don't see why that means Beckham can't be back there. I, I guess – Yeah, that's – you know something. Unless, the odds of a punt block in that scenario are, are – pretty pretty low i'd rather set up for a potential to gain i'd rather gain 15 to 20 yards on a punt return than the very rare instance of the punt block to me it's going to depend on what you see i I, the reason i say it's fair is because i'm sure they had seen more production out of the push in their special teams at this point in the season than they have in the return yeah, that could I mean, be. I'm not excusing it, but it, you know, thinking about it logically from his point of view, it doesn't seem so outlandish. But again, but I just. Case, but why isn't Beckham back there anyway? Then, if you just want, if you have ten guys on the line and one guy back there, I'd still rather have Beckham back there and let him let him do what he can do. I think the thinking is that in that case, if you're not blocking for him, then the uh, the the chance of him getting creamed is maybe higher. Well, then he fair catches it. <laughs> or something. If you know, it doesn't like the you know, yeah. if it doesn't look good or something, you can always fair. You can always fair catch it. You can always just let it bounce. You can always do whatever. It could, always, it could be a shitty, a shanked kick. It could be a low kick. It's a returnable one. Is so many different options out there that they can happen. I mean, playing that he might get creamed. I mean, we, you can't coach. You can't play scared. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, I mean, I have two 
two stars that are just honorary stars, honorary mentions. Um, Aldrich Grossis went three for three with a long of 44. Um, you know, it was not good kicking conditions. It was not fun. And we needed every one of those kicks, and he made them. I, I didn't even worry. All of them were directly down the middle. Um, mm-hmm. Just thought that was worth mentioning. Uh, and Janoris Jenkins was, with the exception of one play early on, was locked down and had an interception at such a pivotal moment in the game. Uh, honorary mention. He also, I think, had five tackles, one of which was a solo on Leonard Fournette, which was a very good open field tackle that was going to go for six if he missed. I don't think it's even an honorary star. I think it's a star. Okay. I think it's straight up a star. Uh, it's it's a it's a whole crew, the secondary, that it, you know will keep us up at night. And we needed our best player to come right out of the gate and give everybody confidence. And he played well. You know, some things mean more than others in certain times of the year. And having a great game like that in the first game gives us a little more confidence that, like, okay, he, so far, small sample size, looks to be back to his 2016 form than last year. Yeah. So I will give, I will give them a, a full-fledged star. Um, did you have any other stars? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I am going to be very conservative with my my star giving this year. Um, doing your job is not enough to get a star. For I me. agree. Uh, I think another fart I want to give is to Evan Ingram. Yep, that was my last fart. Yep. He had a very bad game. He had the drops. Um, this offense has to be, you know, if Eli Manning, when he gets the time to throw, these receivers have to catch the ball. You know, it, it, it's not going to be the smoothest offense you've ever seen because of the problems with the offensive line. And, you know, Eli Manning, you know, his passing um, – Accuracy has been put into question lately. He can't be when he does deliver it on target. Balls cannot be dropped. There were a lot of drops yesterday, and don't give me this the weather nonsense. It was still sixty degrees. We're not talking like we were playing in Denver or or in Buffalo in December fifteenth. Um, so I, I'll have to give him a fart for that because these guys have to catch the ball, and uh, games like that are unacceptable. Yeah, like just like you said, if all the effort in building a roster for the last seven years has been in the star position, the skill positions, then they have to play with skill because that we're not good enough on offensive line to make up for drop passes. It's just not the way this team is built. And, and, and I'm going to be honest too, and I'm more critical than you are, Eli Manning is not built to have these guys drop passes. No, not at all. And He is not, you know... We can always have that as elite Eli was he an elite quarterback during the run and everything Hall of Famer blah blah blah. Let's talk about 2018 Eli Manning. He is not in that upper echelon of quarterbacks anymore. Definitely think he can be serviceable and be a you know he's productive, legitimate starting. But he's not. He's, he's not what Aaron Rodgers did last night. He's not going to come back on one foot and fire hose no. one to the back of the end zone. It's just not going to happen anymore. It's not going to happen. So knowing that. When everything works right, pass protection, Eli catching the right read, delivering the ball on target, got to be fucking caught. <laughs> so, you know, that's just going to be one of those things where, you know, 
people are going to look at Eli's stats and be like, meh. But, you know, if you break it down and see, there were there were drops by Shepard. There were drops by Ingram. I don't think he, I don't think Beckham had a drop, did he? Maybe one. He did, Eli did overthrow Beckham a couple times. Yeah, Barkley had a couple of drops, I think, actually. Or there were just like over, like high throws that probably could have been caught. I'm not sure. So, yeah, then, yeah. Somebody in the flat. I'm not sure if it was him or Stewart, but. Yeah. Um, and then one other thing. I'm going to give another little, I guess a mini fart. <laughs> little, uh, Silent but little deadly. Blow of, a little blow of hot air. Uh, <laughs> I thought that, uh, why is Stewart on this roster? Oh. What were we told, you know, when they got him? What were we told after we drafted Barkley? What were we told when he had that bad preseason game? Uh, he's there. Goal line short he's yardage, here. right? Exactly. And what really did not we did we not see yesterday? We didn't see any of that. I can tell you that. We didn't see him on the field for those key situations. We thought he'd be there. So who gets the so, fart for that? Uh, I'm going to say coaching gets the little yeah. the hot blow of air. I you know. I think that's a combination of a Shermer and a Mike Shula and a running backs coach uh, call. I mean, you have to put your best players in position to make the plays to win. And, you know, red zone offense has been a problem for this team for years. And if if we're not going to use him in those situations, he's wasting a roster spot and he's wasting cap space. So... I would like to see going forward, you know, we put our best players in the best positions to win. It, yeah, I can't argue with you. That's that's a blow of hot air. Yeah, it's not a fart. I mean, but it's definitely something it's like, well, wait a minute. Why was I fed, you know, why was I fed some hot air in the offseason? And here's the first opportunity, and we didn't see it happen. So it'd be something to watch in week two and beyond when we get into a, you know, a third and one, a fourth and one, a, a third and goal situation. And something to listen to will be our podcast on Friday morning. Um, you know, this that's pretty much our review for the last game, but we will be here Friday morning for a preview of the Giants at the Dallas Cowboys for week two on Sunday Night Football. Uh, Dallas got basically steamrolled for three quarters and then sort of crept back into a game against the Carolina Panthers uh, where they lost the only other team that lost from the NFC East. So let's see if we can jump ahead of them in the in the uh, standings there. Yeah, I mean, if you would have any sort of hope for wild cards or anything, you got to win this game. Yeah, sure. You know, if we follow in, if you follow in two right away, you know, we, we kind of looked at the first seven games of the schedule and I don't know if it was ESPN or one of those, that the best odds of us to win were the first game at home against um, Jacksonville. This schedule is going to get hard very quick. So this is a game we desperately need to win. And we'll be here with all of our preview notes and observe observations and, uh, you know, injuries, news from the week. So be sure to come back, listen to us Friday morning before your weekend starts right here on iTunes and SoundCloud, Just Giants. And if you are friends with us on Twitter, you know you can always find the podcast bumped at at Just Giants Pod. And again, by myself at football underscore grump, where I'm probably arguing with you. 
<laughs> and you can catch me on Twitter as always at the Cranky Fan. Check out my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, where we talk all things Florida Gators. Which, to be very honest, I'm taking this exact same podcast. I'm dubbing out <laughs> Grump for Mark, and I'm dubbing out the word Giants for Gators because it's almost the exact same story. Pretty fucking horrible weekend for the uh, the Cranky Fan here. So. Yeah, you don't want to be in Gainesville and March mention the name Ivy. Oh my God. So that, that offensive line is worse than the Giants one. And the one legitimate offensive lineman we have who thinks he's going to the NFL was like a fucking bullfighter, man. A lot of Olay tackles. But, you know, <laughs> if you want to hear more about that, just do a search on uh, on iTunes for Mark and the Cranky Fan. But uh, we'll talk about that yeah. later. In the meantime, <laughs> everyone, go Giants. Go Giants. <laughs>